0: This is the Behind Enemy Lines podcast on the Blood Red channel, bringing you the inside track on Liverpool FC's next opponents.
1: Hello and welcome back to the latest Behind Enemy Lines podcast on the Blood Red channel, coming to you exclusively this week as members of the Blood Red Club. I'm your host, Matt Addison, and I'm delighted to say that alongside me is Football London's fan brand writer for Chelsea, Daniel Childs, who is, of course, here to preview the huge game between the Reds and Chelsea to come on Saturday evening. Daniel, welcome to the Blood Red podcast. How much are you looking forward to the weekend's game?
0: I can't say I ever look forward to... A game against Liverpool at Anfield. Um, even though we did win there uh, last year, uh, you know, we haven't had the greatest record at Anfield in recent seasons, but I think under Thomas Tuchel and the good start we've had to the season, I, I feel quite confident about Chelsea and I think you have to be in it. and It's a really exciting contest, I think, between Jurgen Klopp and Thomas Tuchel tactically. I think there's going to be some big ind- individual battles on that pitch. And uh, seeing how it all plays out very early on in the season between two, I think, Premier League title rivals is is sure to be, I think, a, a good game.
1: Yeah, both teams winning two out of two so far. It's been a good start for for both teams. It, it sort of sets it up nicely, doesn't it, as you say, for a kind of, of title battle. It's only three games in, but it does feel quite important.
0: Mm. Yeah, it does. I mean, you don't want to sort of draw too many conclusions because whatever happens in this game i don't think it's going to be too drastic for either side um you know i i think my sort of gut reaction at the moment looking at both sides is it could end up being quite a dull game i think you know early in the season you could get a, a, a game where neither side kind of wants to commit and eventually it plays out to a draw which i think would favor chelsea um but it's going to be interesting because you know I think, you know, Chelsea, obviously, and Liverpool, I guess you could call there's similarity between our opening games in a sense that they're two games that you probably would have expected both sides to win, Um, even against Arsenal. You know, Chelsea haven't had the best record against Arsenal, but I think most people outside of Chelsea would have said, that's, that should probably be a win for Chelsea and it was. So really for both sides, this is the first, I guess, mega test for for both and, and to see how they fare. Is there going to be any sort of big things that are exposed in this game that we haven't seen in the opening two? And, and that's something that I'm sure Tuckle and Klopp will be looking at ahead of the game.
1: It sort of felt like during the, the latter part of the summer, just before the season, that Liverpool maybe weren't viewed by a few people as title contenders. But what do you think on on that? you think this is a game between two teams who will definitely be up there at the end of the season?
0: I think it's... Um, I can understand to, to an extent why people have maybe written off Liverpool or maybe not had them right at the top. I think it's mainly down to a lack of investment. And also, I guess, the bias of last season, what happened last season, the way Liverpool collapsed during, was it January, February, March time, and then you really picked up form in, in, at the end of the season. Um the fact there is that lack of investment, I'm sure for some Liverpool Liverpool fans because fans love new transfers, there's always going to be that sense that maybe you're not as strong. And and I think squad depth may be a problem for Liverpool this season compared to to others in that top four. But I have to say with Jurgen Klopp, the quality of coach he is, the fact you have Virgil van Dijk back and if you keep him fit and he's at similar levels, that's going to be a transformative addition, even though he's been a big part of your squad in recent years. And as well, I, I just think the fact that Klopp and that squad has experience of going deep in a Premier League title race. Um, I, I think there's a lot to be said about that compared to Chelsea and Man United. You know, Chelsea haven't, I think, reached 80 points in the Premier League since the last time we won it in 2017. Uh, So this Thomas Tuchel, you know, the squad for Thomas Tuchel has to prove themselves in the Premier League. I don't think the way Liverpool does. um, So I think there's obviously going to be that sort of muscle memory maybe or that confidence that will come with Liverpool, Liverpool because they've been here before. They've won a Premier League title and I'm sure there'll be confidence with Klopp, with fans back at Anfield that they could do something special again this season.
1: You mentioned the, the sort of lack of spending, if you like, at Liverpool. Obviously, they've spent 36 million on Ibrahim Akanate, that we probably shouldn't forget, but nothing like the, the 98 million on Romelu Lukaku. He got off to the perfect start last weekend. How excited are you to have him back at Stamford Bridge?
0: it's uh personally it's a dream signing I don't know you m- probably would have seen all summer there's been links to Erling Haaland from uh Borussia Dortmund but for me Lukaku was the first choice I think for a variety of reasons I think he's kind of like the the ready-made forward um he's so primed to come back to Chelsea and succeed there's a lovely narrative of of him sort of in the third act of his career coming back to the club he left very early on and, and kind of being able to fulfill the role that he's always dreamed of having you know looking up to his icon didier Drogba and being able to be the main man at chelsea is very cinematic the way his career has gone um and transformative for chelsea i think this signing you could just see it against Arsenal. the way we attack the the way he is able to do a variety of things whether that be physicality you know being able to hold up the ball struggle defenders occupy multiple defenders open up space for others but he's also got that intelligence to constantly remain on side uh, to run in behind to maybe stretch a defense maybe go out wide if he wants to i just think he's the perfect center forward i think in my opinion he's one of the top three currently in world football especially european football and it's going to maybe not in this game because I, I could look to other players that i think could maybe be really helpful for chelsea But I think across the season, he will do things that we just haven't had in recent years of of putting the ball in the back of the net on on a consistent basis. When the team comes to the bridge and wants to sit deep, I think he'll very easily be able to occupy defenders and maybe break down some of those low blocks that Chelsea struggled to last season. So all round, I I think it was quite a safe bet, even if it is a club record fee. Um, I just think this is the guy that is going to do some special things for Chelsea and, and it's wonderful to see.
1: I think when everyone was watching him bully the Arsenal defence, you kind of get a glimpse of, of what's going to be happening regularly this season, I think, with him. Mm. But obviously that sort of begs the question of, of Virgil van Dijk against Lukaku. And obviously Joel Matip is, is there as well to help out. But it could be a, a big head-to-head, I think, on, on Saturday. Possibly even whoever comes out on top in that battle, it, it might be that their team wins.
0: Absolutely, you know, van Dijk. Um, I guess there's a slight question, mark over. How sharp is he coming back from such a big injury? I mean, that is, is—it's in in some cases, a career-threatening injury. And to come back from from that, it's going to be, I think, the first test he's going to get against an elite forward this season against attackers who I think are really going to test that Liverpool defence and going to try and isolate the back two, Um, whether that be Timo Werner, Kai Havertz, Mason Mount, and of course, Lukaku. The great thing about Lukaku is... um, he can occupy multiple defenders at once. You saw that against Arsenal. It's not just a case that it'll be one defender and that'll be it. The battle, I think he very much picked on Pablo Murray, you know, as the weak link in that, in that Liverpool, uh, sorry, in that Arsenal defence. And maybe for Liverpool, he may look towards John Matip and say, that's the guy I'm going to target and try and occupy a lot more. And I guess for Liverpool fans, it's trying to get him up against Virgil van Dijk. Um, but it's, it's a battle of Titans really, isn't it? You know, one of the best defenders in European football for recent years against one of the best forwards. And, you know, you do kind of think that if Chelsea can get some joy against Van Dyke very early on, it's going to give the rest of our team a lot of confidence in that game. And I think subsequently, if, you know, in the other end, if, if Van Dyke wins a few aerial, uh, aerial battles or, or maybe wins a physical challenge early on against Lukaku, that's, I think, going to raise the home crowd and give them confidence that they could maybe shut out uh, Chelsea's attack uh, on Saturday.
1: Yeah, definitely. I wanted to, to ask you about Thomas Tuchel as well. Obviously, you mentioned him earlier. He's he's come in halfway through a season, which is is never easy, but obviously then wins the Champions League. He's had a full pre season now. It's it's almost the ideal preparation for this season, I think, for, for him to come in and, and hit the ground running. So what have you made of him so far and, and how good a manager do you think he is?
0: I think he's one of the best coaches. In European football, I think he's one of the most smart, smartest minds that you could have, I think, at a club like Chelsea. I think he's at such a chaotic and predictably unpredictable club that Chelsea is in terms of, I think, the politics and sort of the pressure and the expectation on Chelsea in the short term to constantly win. I feel like Tuchel is the perfect sort of archetype of a Chelsea coach in 2021. And I know it's very easy to say he's just won the Champions League, but I, I think that he understands... What the expectation level of him is, I think he's very relaxed to that in the way Chelsea operates. Um, he said very early on in his in his tenure at Chelsea, if they sack me, they sack me. There's nothing I'm going to be able to do about. You know, I'm just going to try and do the best job I can. And that, I think endeared him to Chelsea fans who, you know, were quite hurt about Lampard being sacked. You know, how much Lampard means to Chelsea as a club. Um, and I think it was so important that Tuchel, despite being an elite coach, I think it was very important for him to reconnect some Chelsea fans who felt maybe a little bit disconnected after Lampard left. And he did that straight away. And and his work off the pitch in terms of PR has been amazing. He said all the right things. But on the pitch, obviously, he's created a team that won the Champions League and domestically now we're really hoping can take us to that Premier League title which we haven't been able to do for for quite a while. So, I love watching him. I love listening to him talk about football. He's one of the most interesting minds I think to listen to on a regular basis. A bit like Jurgen Klopp and obviously there's a lot of comparisons between the two in their career. You know, obviously Tuchel starting at Mainz, you know, same for Jurgen Klopp then going to Borussia Dortmund after now coming to the Premier League and winning, you know, coming to England and winning winning the Champions League. obviously, it's very easy to make those comparisons between the two coaches. And I think that's what makes this such a fascinating battle. But Tuchel has been a dream for Chelsea, he really has. I think he's transformed us and I think he deserves uh, so much credit for that.
1: Yeah, the perfect manager for for the Premier League, I think very much in that Jurgen Klopp mould. And it will be interesting to to see how he gets on at Chelsea long term, how long he's there for and, and things like mm. that. But uh, just in, in terms of the summer, obviously, we're, we're still within that transfer window. I've got to ask you about that. Obviously, you mentioned Lukaku before. Jules Koundé, it looks like, could be a target as we're recording this podcast. Is that a position that, that Chelsea need? And is there anything else that they need, do you think, before the window closes?
0: is an interesting one. Uh, I've written about him in recent weeks uh Football London, and there's kind of a big debate going on with Chelsea fans of whether spending... I mean, the reports always vary with these transfers of what the actual fee would be. But let's say, to make it fair, like 50 to 70 million potentially. He's got a very high release clause from Sevilla. Um, and despite the talent of Koundé, that's, I think, undeniable, he is one of, I think, the most promising and exciting young centre-backs in Europe. With the emergence of Trevor Chalabar, you know, getting his opportunity scoring against Crystal Palace, um, and especially in a defence that has looked so strong under Tuckle, it Doesn't really feel like a priority for Chelsea, at least personally for me. You know, Kunde I think, would be a nice addition. Um, But I don't think it's as big, in my opinion, as the central midfield area, which absolutely looks strong with N'Golo Kante, Jorginho, Mateo Kovacic. But it does look a little bit lightweight beyond that. You know, if, if one of those three got injured, there not really a lot of options, and Chelsea, I think, have struggled and have lacked a profile of central midfielder since basically Nemanja Matich left in 2017. Kind of someone who can sit a little bit deeper, maybe break up play. You think instantly of Ingolo Kante, but you know, Kante, I think limiting limiting him to a holding midfielder, I think, is a little bit simplistic. There's a lot of what Kante does, and you want him to be able to venture forward. And, and I think sometimes he maybe there's been a, a struggle for, for coaches to find a balance at Chelsea in their midfield. So Links to Declan Rice, who I think would be an incredible signing, but Aurelian Chu and many from Monaco has been linked consistently. One of those two, I think, would be amazing. Of course, Sal from Atlético Madrid as a potential loan could be sort of a stopgap option for a season. Um, you know, I my my personal preference is to sign a midfielder, but my gut is telling me at the moment, just looking at reports with Kurt Zuma being linked to to West Ham, that. I think Jules Kunde is more likely because it seems like it's not just a Tuchel target, it's kind of been a club target for a number of years and Chelsea with club targets, you know, in recent seasons, they've got their man in the end. So they could be spending a lot and potentially that could mean for Trevor Chalabar, despite breaking through, that may mean limited min- minutes for him this season, which would be quite disappointing after, after his great start to the year.
1: I wonder what the sort of future holds for, for Timo Werner as well in a similar mm-hmm. sort of thought to, to that in terms of, of limiting his minutes. There's so much competition at Chelsea. Obviously, he's a player that, that Liverpool looked at, ended up with Diogo Jota instead, which I think was certainly the right thing for, for Liverpool and, and for Jurgen Klopp. But what do you, what do you make of, of Timo Werner? Has he sort of come anywhere close to, to expectations and, and can he do that this season? It's I
0: personally wouldn't say he's lived up to expectation, but that I think that's... To call his season, a, his first season disappointment, I think is unfair because he contributed in a big way in big moments for Chelsea, in particular in the Champions League uh, run. You know, he he was less of a goal scorer, more of a creator. You know, he he created a lot of goals for the likes of Kai Havertz and Hakim Ziyech. Um, His movement is brilliant and he does, his speed is going to cause most defences problems. You know, he gets into areas, he's able to very quickly get into areas that few players can. And against Liverpool, I'm looking at Timo Werner as a player that I want to feature in the game because Unlike a lot of teams in the Premier League who come against Chelsea and defend quite deep, which isn't really Werner's game. Of course, with Klopp, he wants to play a higher line. And especially with Virgil van Dijk, he's able to do it a lot more. Kind of a higher line that Timo Werner came came up against a lot in the Bundesliga. And that favours him. When, if a team decides to press high, gets it wrong and Chelsea are able to find Werner, he can be a devastating player. Um, My big frustration with Werner is, I think, his technical limitations as a player um in particular in games where he's asked to break down or at least get behind a a sort of a low block um he he is someone who i think is kind of limited with what you can get out of him if he has space he can be devastating but if he doesn't, I don't think he has the technical capability to take it past a man and dribble. But like, if he if he's confronted with with a defender in front of him, so at the weekend, if Alexander Arnold is is in front of him in such line, he isn't going to be able to just dribble past him and, and get round him. You know, despite his his speed, that's a limitation. that... Pulisic, Kalamata Ndoy, Hakim Ziyech, Mason Mount, Kai Havertz, all better than him at, you know, and that's the the frustration with Werner. There is a limitation, but with the counter press and the way, I'm sure it's the same for Liverpool, the way pressing is such a key part of the modern game. Werner is a player that a lot of coaches are going to like because he can press, he works hard. There's no denying he works hard for the team and he makes movements and runs that can open up the pitch for Chelsea. So it's kind of difficult with Werner. I want to give him a second season because the club spent so much on him and as well with Lukaku now there when he was at Leipzig he had more of a physical number nine to work off there's no kind of better center forward to work off than Lukaku probably um and seeing maybe Werner alongside Lukaku I think could be quite devastating so I hope for his sake he needs to score more goals this season absolutely he needs to find at least 10 to 15 maybe even beyond that this year for me um because it was such a big investment and I think that you know If he doesn't do that with the competition at Chelsea, he may not be here that long, which sounds harsh, but I think that's just the the reality of the situation.
1: Yeah, definitely. I'm expecting a a bigger season than last season, certainly from him and and certainly for Kai Havertz as well. But just when you list off those players, I mean, it's just so many different options. Callum Hudson-Odoi, I believe, had a a really good preseason. hasn't played a minute yet this season. Mm. And it's a a bit of an issue, isn't it, for for Chelsea with all of these players. You look at someone like Hudson-Odoi, he's been linked with, big money move to to Bayern Munich. Even Liverpool at one stage was supposedly interested in him. I mean, for someone like him, he must be a little bit frustrated on the sidelines, surely.
0: Yeah, he's another player that has sparked a lot of debate and discussion um, because he got handed sort of a massive contract in 2019. You know, Chelsea sort of fought very hard to keep him from Bayern Munich and that Bayern Munich interest was serious and it was serious for two summers. You know, they came in for him very late in the last transfer window um, but Chelsea kept him and I guess there's this discussion point or at least my view on it is that it's kind of make or break despite him being a young player. I think that he needs to get to a, a place at the end of this season where he feels positive about Chelsea. He's had a consistent run in the team. That's been the problem part of way He will get like five or so games in the team and then he'll be out. And he won't get time back in the team and he needs those consistent run of minutes. You know, I wrote a big piece about him and I was stunned to discover that he's like 2,000, over 2,000 minutes behind, 2,000 Premier League minutes behind Pakaio Saka. So I compared him in his Premier League minutes to Pakaio Saka and Mason Greenwood. And he's behind both of them. And those are players who are kind of similar age. I think Saka's is younger than him. And you feel that for Hudson-Odoi to really make an impact to Chelsea, he needs to be improving on that this year. It's just a big question, as you mentioned, with all the attacking talent. And if Tuchel sticks with the current formation, you're kind of left with two spots to fight for with like seven players because Lukaku is going to take up the number nine most weeks. And Hudson-Odoi at times under Tuchel has had to shift to uh, an unnatural right wing back position just to get minutes in some games. So I feel him, Ziyech, Pulisic, they're three players for me who kind of need to establish themselves in the first team. And I think if they don't, I could see them leaving at the end of this year. I don't think you can keep all of these younger attacking players happy for very long. I think at the end, something's going to give. And I think one of them may be departing this time next year.
1: Yeah, it's certainly something to think about. I know there's been a lot of of frustration that Liverpool haven't added to their ranks, but it is a balance, isn't it? Possibly Mm. the two different ends of of the spectrum in terms of of squad depth between Liverpool and Chelsea. But just before we finish, then I'll ask you for a quick score prediction. I know it's quite early in the week that we're recording this, but I'm feeling quite optimistic from a Liverpool perspective. I think... Mm. It will be a tight game. I think it will be a game that probably both teams will will be fairly happy with a point, but it wouldn't massively surprise me if Liverpool just edged it. But how do you think it it might go?
0: I'm tempted so early in the week to be very boring and give you like a 1-1 score prediction. Um, Maybe just to please your viewers and to please yourself that, I, you know, let's just go like handshake 1-1 and move on because I'm happy we're getting an Anfield trip out the way very, very early on in the season. I think that's a bonus for Chelsea. I really do. Um, Getting one of, I think, the most difficult trip, or at least paired probably with the Etihad and Old Trafford, getting them out the way very early on is good for Chelsea. And yeah, I just feel like Tuchel, I don't think he'll want the team to overexert themselves. I think he'll be very happy knowing that Liverpool will probably take up most of the ball. And I think that benefits Chelsea. I think Chelsea are a better team at times when we're when we're sort of not the favourites, or at least can counter attack a lot more um, and kind of soak up the pressure. Let Liverpool come onto us and try and hit on the break with someone like Werner and Lukaku. So I I would take a point right now. I think that'd be a really good uh, result for Chelsea. We do have the confidence of going to Liverpool and winning last season, but I think it is a different kind of feel with fans back this year and as well. Liverpool looking pretty good so I just yeah I, I just want to go with a draw at the moment because I, I think that would be the probably the best result you know in terms of um, or the most realistic result for me at the moment because I, I just feel as well Klopp won't want to lose at home this early in the season and kind of give ground to Tuchel um, and both managers are so good tactically that it may just be a, a simple case of both teams sort of uh, evening each other out and sort of that that's about it and and we just move on and, and unfortunately it won't give the neutrals a lot to to be excited about because that's sometimes these games play out they they get so hyped and they don't kind of live up to expectations so sorry to be boring
1: yeah no i, I agree with you to be honest i think uh, if
0: if one team is ahead
1: on the hour mark that might do it but i think after about 60 65 minutes if it's all level i think it might just sort of peter out and, and finish that way but we will of course see how it all happens we we'll, be following that across the, the Liverpool Echo and Blood Red, of course, football.london and the new fan brands, will be covering that as well. So do check out their stuff. But thanks for watching. Thanks for signing up and goodbye
0: for now. You've been listening to the Behind Enemy Lines podcast on the Blood Red channel.